You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Hollyrood defends itself against email brute forcing. India's national ID system is compromised again. Shadow broker leaked exploits continue to do damage. Hijacked Chrome extensions prove difficult to eradicate. New variants of Locky and other ransomware are out. Pulsewave DDoS attacks are observed. Researchers find DDoS as a service for sale in Chinese online markets. Governments express suspicion of foreign IT. An extremist site loses its host, but its content will go on, even as opposing vigilantes mistakenly dox innocent targets. And Our Mine hijacks HBO social media accounts. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 17, 2017. The campaign against the Scottish Parliament's email services continues, but the BBC reports that defences at Holyrood seem to be holding firm. India's Adthar Personal Identification System, a government program that assigns citizens a 12-digit number linked to biometric information, has sustained a data exposure incident. Flaws in the eHospital app developed by the National Informatics Centre has made Adthar numbers available to a free and dodgy Android app, MyGov, whose developer was arrested in late July. This particular incident is thought to have affected a few thousand citizens, but investigation is still in progress, and it's not known if there was any other exploitation of the software issues. Most adult Indians, 99% according to reports, are enrolled in the National Identification Program. Exploits leaked by the shadow brokers continue to damage enterprises. WannaCry has resurfaced in a South Korean LG service center, and businesses affected by NotPetya are still tallying their losses. In some cases, those losses are being reckoned in the hundreds of millions. We spoke with Brad Stone from Booz Allen's Cyber Foresight Threat Intelligence Solutions team about their research into the attack and their conclusion that there may be more to the attack than initially suspected. I think all of us were kind of watching similar to when we saw WannaCry, you know, watching Bitcoin accounts and others to kind of see is this classic ransom, you know, where's the financial benefit? And as soon as we started seeing things like the email and and other ways for the payment to not really be monitored, it started to make us think, wow, what else is going on here? And, And so in particular, kind of pulling together analysis, leveraging what we were seeing from other great groups, but then also looked at the fact of, wow, this end result of the actual ransom at the top looked more like a cover-up to activities focused on Ukraine that had been going on for months. You know, we suspect probably deployed that type of malware to kind of wipe the forensic elements uh, and evidence of that. Best kind of analogy is to think of an arson torching a building uh, to kind of cover their tracks. 
And so take us through some of the details of this. So you're saying that there was infiltration earlier on and that this uh, NotPetya attack was, was there to cover their tracks. Yeah, so our analysis leads us to suspect that uh, Telebot's known unit that we track and watch destroyed you know, thousands of machines with the focus on Ukraine, really causing a lot of substantial collateral damage across the globe. But in particular, the evidence shows that prior to that malware being launched, uh, they had been actively pursuing theft of information from specific targets. So think of this almost as a three-pronged attack, first starting off with leveraging a campaign focused around the Docs tax software as kind of an initial entry point, then moving into the second phase where seeing some of the telltale signs of Telebots using some other capabilities to do exfiltration, other activities. And then finally, with the kind of NotPetya variant put over top to kind of clean that environment. And the way we were able to kind of piece together the information is in one level, kind of watching the submission of folks cleaning up prior to the uh, variants. We're always out there looking at, you know, what's happening with malware across the globe in different areas, trying to track these different campaigns and actors and their different TTPs and how they're using it. And we're able to kind of see in particular with things in Ukraine, some cleanup that was occurring that led to this quick view of, wow, organizations were dealing with this, and then you have the ransom on top of it. So not only do you have an organization kind of using a worm-enabled ransom in a different way, then the other tremendous element of this is if we start looking at what about the unintentional consequences to the rest of the world? The damage to their organizations is substantial, which completely changes the game for these other organizations where maybe in the past it's, I'm not in that market, that threat actor is not focused on me, but when folks are leveraging easily obtained tools worm enabling them, we have a quick global impact. So your average CISO out there today doesn't only just have to worry about what's important to their industry, their company, but having that broader awareness is now part of their daily routine and it just adds to the challenges that they're already facing. That's Brad Stone from the Booz Allen Cyber Foresight Group. You can find their report on the Telebots Group and Petya on their website. Hijacked Chrome extensions are being purged from Google Play, but the malicious software the extensions carry has shown itself surprisingly effective at evading security checks established to routinely catch such attacks. Morphus Labs warns that one of the malicious extensions is particularly active in Brazil, where criminals are phoning marks and telling them to install it as an update to their bank's security module. It seems hardly necessary to point out that installing software on the authority of a cold call is unwise, but there you have it. Confidence games continue to work because most of us are disposed to have confidence in the people we cross paths with. Ask any social engineer, they'll tell you. Morphus Labs notes, we must say in fairness to the people who fell for the calls, that the conversations were professional, plausible, and highly targeted, often asking for a specific employee by name. In any case, when Morphus informed Mountain View of its discovery, Google removed the offending extension, called Interface Online, from the Play Store on Tuesday. It reappeared Wednesday and had to be eradicated again. In both infestations, VirusTotal reported that none of the 58 most widely used anti-malware products had detected it. 
Morphus has suggested some steps Google might take to limit the damage a hijacked extension might do, including blocking an extension's access to passwords unless the user gives explicit permission, and not allowing extensions to override system proxy rules. New ransomware strains, including versions of Locky, Cerber, and Shortcut's 2016 open-sourced PHP ransomware product, are circulating in the wild. Researchers at several companies, including Cyber Reason, Heimdall, and Komodo, are tracking them. Some of the strains, especially the Cerber variants, have acquired evasive functionality that looks for signs that a target might be defended. There are also some developments in the distributed denial-of-service world. Researchers at the security firm Encapsula report seeing what they call pulse wave DDoS, in which waves of highly repetitive pulses hit targets over hours or even days. The technique, Encapsula says, is a new one. It will bear watching. There are also developments on the commodity side of DDoS. Cisco's Talos researchers report finding an increase in Chinese black market sites offering DDoS for higher services. With both ransomware and DDoS remaining a threat, there are indications that some companies are quietly stockpiling Bitcoin with a view to be able to pay off their attackers, a practice most security and law enforcement experts recommend against. But then, everybody's got their own cost-benefit calculation. Governments turn a cold eye toward foreign-made software and hardware. In the U.S., Kaspersky remains under controversial suspicion over alleged connections with Russian intelligence services. India has told a number of Chinese device manufacturers to give proof of security and appropriate data handling if they expect to continue to do business in the subcontinent. And in Russia, the Security Council head warns that widely used foreign software is implicated in long-standing Western plots to destabilize the country. The Russian concerns mirror U.S. suspicions in an almost ridiculous fashion. There may be a break, however, in U.S. investigation of the last election cycle's DNC hack. An unnamed man, he's so far publicly identified only by his nom de hack, Profexor, has turned himself in to Ukrainian authorities and is talking to the FBI. Profexor is not charged with anything, but he says he developed the remote access tool used against the DNC and that Fancy Bear obtained and used a copy. Have you heard? Winter is coming, and we don't have to see any pirated Game of Thrones script to know that. In any case, a chill wind has blown through HBO's social media accounts, Variety reports that the Our Mine hacking group, which has hit media companies before, late Wednesday took over HBO's Twitter and Facebook accounts. Our Mine poses as a white hat group, not a white walker group, and has invited HBO to contact them for security advice. The incident is believed to have no connection with that other phony white hat, Mr. Smith. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps. 
keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the Director of Analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, welcome back. Uh, You are uh, recently back from Black Hat and uh, some interesting observations you have in terms of Black Hat and uh, how people are dealing with the dark web these days. Yeah, it was an interesting year this year. We were at Black Hat last year and we had a booth and the reactions were broadly people coming over looking for swag, as people do at mm-hmm. trade shows. Let's be honest about why, why we're all actually there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but asking, you know, hey, dark web, what's going on? What is the dark web? Or people who knew about the dark web, kind of vague curiosity. This year, people came over very directly. Hey, I'm working on this. I want a dark web data source. What can you do for me? And very different kinds of conversations, conversations about privacy and about GDPR. It was a much bigger jump this year than I was expecting it to be from last year. So is your take that we're sort of over the hump of people not having awareness of the dark web? It's certainly moving faster, gaining awareness more than I thought we would. Uh, the way I'm thinking about it right now, I, I think we're starting to see the dark web and data leaks as a whole becoming something uh, like social media was five years ago, where it, it was clear it wasn't going away. It was clear it was a, a place of interesting information and people not necessarily knowing what they want to do with it said, oh, I, I should have one of those. Now, uh, you know, using the analogy of social media, I think years ago when people weren't quite sure what to make of it, sort of uh, particularly people who were used to old school marketing, they would look for gurus. They would look for experts. And of course, that allowed there to be people who maybe didn't really know about much about it, but claim that they did. Are we in that zone right now where there's a lot of um, confusion as to what really is the dark web and what people are selling and what you need to know? I think we're seeing not only with the dark web, but with a lot of data in the industry as a whole. And I think something like machine learning or AI would fit into this category as mm. well, is we're stuck in this intersection of trying to discuss uh, advancements and new technologies and new data sources and uh, explain them as compelling and, and hype them up, right? There is that marketing piece of this. And we often do that with something like fear or confusion or mystery, while at the same time 
trying to be realistic and pragmatic about what you can actually do with this information once you have it. So is it a matter of, of just the, taking the time for this to settle down, or do we have to establish some standards? Where do we need to go? It's a great question, and if I had an answer, I think maybe we could call me a guru. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll start to see the conversation continue to be shaped by GDPR as something like mm. personal information becomes a, an even higher priority in conversations. In terms of other things like data sources or AI or machine learning, I think we'll see consolidation in the industry over the next several years. And I think we'll start to see people be more realistic about these technologies or about what you can use data for as, as we consolidate and as people are scrambling a little bit less to differentiate themselves. All right, interesting take. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.